May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. God saw saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the day, the light day, and the darkness night. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And then God said, Let there be a dome in the middle of these waters to separate the waters from each other. God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. God named the dome sky there was evening and there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the sky come together into one place so that the dry land can appear. And that's what happened. God named the dry land earth and named the gathered waters seas. God saw how good it was. God said, let the earth grow plant life. Plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind throughout the earth. And that's what happened. The earth produced plant life. Plants yielding seeds, each according to its kind. And trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind. God saw how good it was. There was evening and there was morning the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will mark events, sacred seasons, days and years. They will be lights in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth. And that's what happened. God made the stars and two great lights, the larger light to rule over the day and the smaller light to rule over the night. 
God put them in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw how good it was. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, let the waters swarm with living things and let the birds fly above the earth up in the dome of the sky. God created great sea animals and all the tiny living things that swarm in the waters, each according to its kind, and all the winged birds, each according to its kind. God saw how good it was. Then God blessed them. Be fertile and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply the earth. There was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And then God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things and wildlife and that's what happened God made every kind of wildlife every kind of livestock and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground and God saw how good it was then God said let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. And so God created humanity in God's own image, and the divine image of God, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and steward it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and every crawling thing crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield the seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And so the heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. 
On the sixth day, all the work was completed. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. Well, it was Earth Day, and I was beginning to have an identity crisis, but not for the reason that you might think. Let me step back here and say that this day and this week, Earth Day, Earth Day week, has been on our church's calendar for a long time. Whenever possible, we like to plan for weeks and months in advance so that we can arrange for lovely creative worship um, for educational events that sync up. We can have a wonderful liturgical dance while reading the Genesis creation story. We can plan for a big spring cleanup in the garden the Saturday after Earth Day and then have an Earth Day-centered service like today. So th this week has been on our calendar for a long time, and we're excited to come up to us and to welcome people into this wider story. What wasn't on our radar necessarily at, at, uh, earlier on in the year was the fact that as we continue our grounds restoration effort here around us, that we would also need to be getting ready to sow new seeds into the ground, plant new trees and shrubs and flowers that'll be coming up later this spring. We're very excited. But we realized in the midst of our preparation work that we had a bit of a problem we had to deal with first, namely in walking the grounds and preparing our site for all of our spring planting effort. We realized alongside a professional forester and an arborist that we had a number of large trees that were dead, dying, diseased, or invasive, several of which were rather dangerously placed around our property, adjacent to a garage, near the children's play area. These were trees that probably needed to be removed sooner rather than later for the safety of all and certainly for the sake of our project as we prepare to seed and plant little small fragile plants that are going to grow and to be a diverse and thriving ecosystem. So we met together with a professional tree company. We, we surveyed all the work that needed to be done. And if any of you are homeowners out there who have had to have a tree removed, you may know that it's not a small bill. And we didn't realize going into this season that we had 13 that needed to be removed. You know, when you don't spend a lot of time walking those trails, you don't necessarily see <laughs> and realize just how many have maybe been neglected for a, number, for a number of years. So we had a bit of a dilemma on our hand. What do we do here? Do we prioritize the ones that feel kind of in a dangerous spot? Do we try to do it all at once because that's probably the most economically efficient and that would be the best way to prepare the site to then begin planting? Could we foot that bill? The answer was no. 
Do we do it in fits and starts and try to prioritize different areas? That seemed like the way to do it until someone had, if it was my idea, I'm going to say someone had the harebrained idea. If it was someone else's, someone had the brilliant idea of what if we do them all at once because we know these need to be done eventually. It'll be cheapest if we do it all at once. But to save money, we'll just have them chop and drop the trees. And we will process these, we'll process them ourselves. Now, I, I love this idea. Um, because as I thought about it and the nature of our work, um, we are regularly looking for more firewood for our native sweat lodge in the back. We need new big sections of wood to mark the new trails that we're building throughout our woodland. We are constantly looking for and often purchasing and driving in mulch to support our food garden that goes to the Division of Indian Work, which is all to say that we are often purchasing and driving in natural resources to help the work that we're doing. And so these problem, these problematic trees that we needed to take care of suddenly began to look like a resource for us. If we did this ourselves, we could provide logs for the sweat lodge, chips for the garden, and big sections for our trail markers, piece of cake. And the good news was that if the company was going to simply chop and drop the trees, it would be less than one-third of the original price. It would even be under our budget. Why didn't we think about this earlier? Why doesn't everybody choose this option when it comes to tree removal? Well, let's uh, come all the way back to this past Wednesday here. Wednesday, April 23rd, Thursday, April 27th, the two days right before Earth Day is when the tree company came out to take the trees down. And they are down. You may have noticed them on your way in, some of you. If you didn't, you'll notice them on your way out now. And um, I kind of realized why most people don't choose this option. <laughs> you know, one full-grown tree, I'm now uh, realizing in hindsight, if you were to plop it down right here in the sanctuary, it would kind of take up the entire sanctuary. There wouldn't be room for us. We have a lot of trees currently down around our property that need processing. And my, as I came in on Earth Day, my big thought was, oh my goodness, these trees are everywhere. This is way more than I realized. What are we going to do? What is the congregation going to think? And how can I fix this issue before this weekend? Well, it was right about then that I started thinking about, all right, we've got a memorial service on Saturday, worship service on Sunday, half our staff is out this week. Um, do I focus on trying to take care of some of these trees, the most visible ones? Do I focus on preparing for the memorial service, for Sunday's service? If I could only pick two of the three, which ones do I prioritize? And I was just beginning to feel anxious about having a bit of a mess around the grounds, something that doesn't look neat and tidy yet, worrying and wondering, 
What's the congregation going to think? And so I decided in that moment, maybe I can just clean it up a little bit and start taking care of some of the more unseemly branches. And that's when the clouds open up and uh, all the wonders of creation began pouring down. <laughs> and we had those big thunderstorms, you may recall, over the weekend. And in fact, that th same thunderstorm, it washed out our spring work day on that Saturday morning too, before calming down just in time for a lovely memorial service. All that to say, I spent the latter half of this week feeling really anxious and worried and doubting about this whole situ situation that I just wanted to kind of hide and control, which is really not like me. Uh, and I realized that part of why I was feeling this way is that I wanted this to all be done on Earth Day. <laughs> I wanted to be done by Earth Day. I wanted to head straight into the work of the spring and to planting and to all of the good, satisfying feeling work of growing life. There's a big part of me that wants to be done with what we've been working on for over a year, which is removal, this messy work of pruning buckthorn, of ripping out garlic mustard, of even now taking down trees, something that feels awful to do on Earth Day, even though some, several of them were dead and dying and dangerous, it doesn't feel like a good look as a pastor and environmentalist to be standing around a pile of dead trees on Earth Day, thinking, how do I hide this mess? It was then that I remembered that old proverb has been said many different ways. But how do you begin a journey of a thousand or ten thousand miles on foot? You do it with the first single step. And the truth of the matter is, me and a small team of volunteers with some chainsaws, we are going to be working on chopping up these trees and chipping them and redistributing them throughout our grounds in helpful ways for a number of days, probably even a number of weeks. And I had to remind myself, and perhaps even convince some folks here, <laughs> that that's okay. And actually, that this whole concept of Earth Day, of having one day set aside a year that we pursue environmental goals, that we remind ourselves of our connection with the Earth, it's kind of a pro problematic notion. It's a day, helpful as it may be, that points to a problem. It's a day designed to give us a kick in the pants, to turn from our ways, to reconnect with the earth. And frankly, it's a day that I'm sick of celebrating once a year. You know, I was thinking about this morning, what it would be like if on Father's Day, I woke up and decided, you know, all right, today, I'm going to pay attention to my kids. I'm going to think about how I can be a good father, just this one day. And the rest of the day, you know, we'll see. Of course, that is not the hope of Earth Day. 
But the reason that we have something like Earth Day or Black History Month or Indigenous History Month is because the rest of the days or the months of the year, we tend to be neglecting those important areas of focus. And so I am reminded of the creation story and its rhythm of day by day. God is in there tending, growing, nurturing, resting eventually. But this creation story, this story that seeks to set us in context and in community with the wider natural world, it has this daily rhythm, which not only reminds us of our connection to the earth, but it should encourage us to try to live that out day by day. It reminded me, too, of this practice of Mahatma Gandhi. During his revolution, he sought to try to find a way to empower India to overthrow Great Britain's rule and oppression, this huge economic engine. In the midst of that, part of Gandhi's solution was to ask every single Indian who was a part of his movement to spin cloth for an hour a day. See, by then, everyone in the country had been growing cotton, sending it off for processing, and then buying cloth from an outside resource. And, And Gandhi viewed the spinning of cotton into cloth for simple gardens, garments as, as both a tool of empowerment, but also a means by which every single person could daily choose to be a part of connecting to this movement of liberation. And so for him, as important a figure he was in this wide national and international movement, he spent at least one hour every single day spinning cotton and made it a pledge for anyone who wanted to be a part of his movement. And so if you recall that black and white photo that was popular, I believe, in Life magazine of Mahatma Gandhi sitting cross-legged with his book and the spinning wheel, that's because if you wanted to have a public reception with Gandhi, it would come during this one hour while he was spinning. And he would continue to spin And you could ask your questions and you could talk, but this was his hour for receiving others and it was also his hour for spinning. Every day, every person in their community did this. And it united them in a humble practice to have everyone's hands on a part of this movement. When I was studying Gandhi in seminary, felt really inspired by this and thought that if we as modern people could find a similar way to practice daily a connection with the earth, would we, would we find a way to get ourselves off of this path of consumption that is leading towards a climate crisis that we just cannot seem to kick. Every year we burn more and more fossil fuels. Every year the reports get worse and worse and nothing seems to change. And so Earth Day comes around again and we have the same spotlight stories on NPR. Here's five things you can do. 
Those are good things. But then the day moves on and the story moves on. And today, maybe in part because I'm looking around at this big project that's probably going to necessitate me chipping away for 20 minutes a day, every day for the next month, along with a few different lay volunteers, I find myself remembering this practice of Mahatma Gandhi and seeing and hearing with it, within it the rhythms of this creation story, this daily act of putting one's hands in the earth, of gardening, of hiking, of learning to grow our own food, of tending an ecological restoration. And I guess I'd like to invite us as a congregation or simply as citizens of this earth to consider setting aside the mindset of Earth Day as an annual thing and asking ourselves what it would look like to earth daily, as it were, to be a part of connecting with the natural world around us every day on a day-by-day basis, whether that's for five minutes or 20 minutes, whether it's a walk in the park, growing your own food, volunteering at a local church that's in the midst of a large, complex ecological restoration project, or starting a small garden with your children or grandchildren. Maybe we would not waste so much food as a society if a few more of us knew what it took to grow that food ourselves. Maybe we'd hesitate a little more before ordering and shipping items if we could sincerely track the fossil fuels that go into those purchases and just how much of those recyclables actually do get properly recycled. We do not live in a way that is in deep movement and connection with the earth. We have modernized enough that we can have central air and central heat. We can kind of control so many things around us that we get out of that daily connection. And it can become a real spiritual liberative practice, an act of protest, as it were, to daily push ourselves back into that story. So today, this year, I want to invite us to do just that. Maybe for a week, maybe for this spring or this summer, maybe for the rest of our lives, but let's start small to ask ourselves, how do we earth daily? How do we connect to this creation story daily? I'll challenge you to do that, at least for this next week. The weather looks okay. Find one concrete, hands-on or eyes-open practice that you can do daily. Pay attention to it. Reflect on it. Hear this daily rhythm within our scripture. Just pay attention for one week, and afterward, 
note, do I feel closer to the natural world around me, more attuned to what is growing and coming forth, to the beauty or the pollution, both of which matter? And if you do notice a difference, please consider doing that again the next week and the week after that. There's a whole lot of beauty here that we can connect with if we make it a priority. And when we feel overwhelmed by the big tasks of climate change or the big practical tasks that I was feeling overwhelmed about this week, it's a good time to remind ourselves that even God works day by day and not all at once. So, do we have a big problem around our property? Or is an invitation, someone like me, to spend 20 minutes a day with a couple congregational friends, sharing work outside that nurtures our ecological goals? Is it a problem? Is it an opportunity? It's probably going to feel a bit like both. But that daily practice is something I hope we can all inspire to. So, Earth Daily, that's the charge, that's the challenge. Pay attention at least one week. And as you imagine what that might look like for you, I'm going to invite Will to lead us in a brief musical meditation to bring us home and to close out that challenge. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.